You're listening to World Radio Gardening. World Radio Gardening, answering some of your emails. And yes, you remember where they come from. It's post at worldradiogardening.com. That's the address to write to. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter as well, World Radio Gardening. Uh, Jeff Hodge sitting here in the studio with me. Someone rang in. Well, not rang in, but wrote in. Pruning a plum tree in winter? What's that all about then? I know, it's odd, isn't it? Everybody wants to do... Hack and do, prune. Yeah, but hack is probably the operative word for most people's pruning. No, uh, no, 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 no uh, for plums. Um, just trying to remember, if, if you can, pip winters, i.e. pip fruit. So that's apples and pears. Yes, you can prune them in winter. Stone fruit, so plums, peaches, apricots... Anything that has a stone in it is always summer, um, literally from about May to the end of August. If you prune them in winter when they are dormant, they are more likely to go down with either silver leaf or bacterial canker diseases, which uh, bacterial canker certainly can be quite a killer. If you do it in summer, they heal quicker and they are far less likely to get the disease. So no, 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 no for plums in winter. Now, Dawn, who actually wrote to us months ago, we never answered her, I meant to, about her climbing roses. When should she prune climbing roses that she's growing up a pergola? When's the best time? Should she have done it? Okay, when's the best time? Are we talk, Are we definitely talking climbing roses and, Cli- not, and no, not ramblers? No, climbing, okay. that was what was, was specified. Yeah, because the thing is, when you, most people don't really know the difference between know, climbers but, and ramblers. But we don't know either because it's on an email. Absolutely. So, we so okay, answer, so we? we're saying it's a climbing rose. Yeah. And therefore we are saying the best time to do climbing roses is, a, is the same time as you do your bush roses, your hybrides and your floribundas which is late February or late winter into early spring. However... I do mine through the winter yeah. when I'm being a bit bored. <laughs> or you could do it at the same time as your ramblers at the end of summer or early autumn. doesn't really make a lot it of difference, does, no, it? no, actually it doesn't. But the, but the best time is late winter, early so spring. So what do you do? Do you cut out old stems, encourage new growth? Um, yeah, basically, well, first of all, you want to make sure that you've got all the, all the stems and growth you require to cover your support. Um, and and train it where you want it to go. Um, Any very old growth, and particularly old growth that's been there for years and and didn't flower very well uh, during last summer, that should be removed to encourage new growth. Any unwanted growth that's going where you don't need it, take that out as well, obviously. And then any side shoots, any thin side shoots, you can cut those back really hard to two to three buds. And that will encourage more growth in the summer that will give you all your flowers. So it's as simple as that. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and always, after, after pruning, give the plants a feed of a good rose fertiliser. A couple of questions about cotoneasters. One was about planting. When do I plant? Well, weather permitting any time, isn't it? Yeah, cotoneasters are incredibly hardy. So it doesn't really matter about winter winter planting. You know, there are some plants I would never plant in the winter. which Lavender. Are, lavender. Anything that's a bit borderline hardy, I would always wait until mid-spring before I put those in. But cotoneaster, anything that's as tough as old boots like that, can be planted now absolutely no problem at all the only thing that will stop you is if the ground is frozen solid and by that i mean when you put your spade in the ground it bounces back because it's so hard or it is waterlogged and by that i mean when you dig your planting hole it fills up with water and that's the only time that uh, that'll stop you from doing it now the other question wasn't it about yellowing of leaves or something 
Yeah, um, orange or something. Yeah, oranging leaves, which is usually a sign that the plant, you know, is, is undergoing some sort of stress. Now, whether that's you know whether that's because they they have you know it's a, it's an old plant and, and they've never ever fed it, whether it's now growing in soil that is not right, and by that I mean that um, you know maybe it's got down into such deep soil that it's now perhaps into a into a, a low water course or it may be into very waterlogged soil. It could just be that the plant is, is just a little bit stressed. Um, due to sort of variable weather conditions that we've had, generally, well, there's not, there's nothing that you can do. Um, just you know, keep an eye on the plant. I think it will recover in spring, and then just give it a really good feed to help it recover. So it could be something like waterlogging or anything like yeah. that, couldn't it? Yeah, which uh, there's been a lot of yeah, this, water year. this year, a- and lots of big shrubs and trees are still reacting to oh, that from the year before, from last year. Yeah, yeah. So we forget that, don't we? We do indeed. What else we got there? Well, the other thing that we have got is um, somebody who's got a strelitzia. Oh, and this is this is Pat, and and she's grown it from seed. And now, whenever we get come on, takes years to flower. Well, whenever we get emails and people say, "I've grown my strelitzia from seed," you know what the question is going to be. When is it going to flower? It's never flowered. Uh, Pat grew hers from seed, and she's had it for ten years, and this year finally. After 10 years, it has finally flowered. Well done, Pat. Patience is a virtue. It is. What does she want to know then? Well, she wants to know what to do with it now. The the flowers well, are beginning. Sure, you just feed it and look after it, don't you? Yes, but she's got the flower spike, and everybody always gets worried oh, yeah. about flower messy, spikes. Aren't they? Yes, they are. Um, literally, just trace it right down to where it joins the main crown of leaves, and then with a sharp pair of secateurs, as low down as possible, just cut it off. She's also wondering whether now she should repot it or not. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't either. But I would check, and I said, "What well, you know? Whenever it comes to repotting, check. You know, take the carefully take the plant out of the pot and look at the roots. If the roots are um, a complete mass and there's no spare compost, then yes, it is pot bound, and it should be repotted into the next size pot. If you've got a little bit of roots, but there's still lots of fresh compost, leave it. And it's and it's you know it's people always think that if you repot something, it'll make it better, but actually, when you repot something that's a bit ill. It actually makes it worse. So only repot when it needs repotting. In spring. And spring is the best time to do it. Winter ja- Was it a winter jasmine or a summer jasmine that someone wanted to white summer ja- So summer, that must be summer. Summer jasmine, the evergreen summer jasmine. You wouldn't prune that now, though, would you? Well, no, I wouldn't. But, you know, uh, a lot of jasmines put on a lot of growth this last summer because of, of the weather conditions. You might find that particularly if you haven't been out and looked at it and trained it properly, it might have produced a lot of growth that you need to get rid of. So if you want to you know, tidy it up a little bit, then you can do that now. But the main time to do its main formative pruning to encourage flowers is, uh, again, I tend to do that late March or early April. Anything else there at all? Well, yes, uh, this is, uh, this is a, a typical one that we get. Uh, this is from Harry. Actually, I think he's doing it on behalf of his son. So whether, ah. his, whether his son's a bit scared to actually send us the email and, and confess. But basically, What's he done? poor lawn. So they decided that they would returf it. Yeah. But they made the, 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 the often made mistake, because, you know, doing, the, uh, doing a lawn properly, if you want it it's to be hard good, work. can be a lot of hard work. So what they did is that um, they didn't even kill the old turf off, but they just literally stuck the new turf on top of the old turf. You can't do that. Well, it, it produces a pan, don't you? A hard pan is like laying it on concrete. It is, and, and absolutely. And the other thing is that the, the old lawn was dying due to 
probably underlying problems in the soil, and so they've just stuck the turf on top, so they haven't they the haven't cured anything. the underlying problem. You know, grass is a, is a plant like any other plant that you want to look after you need to give it a bit of care and attention you wouldn't buy a 50 quid plant and then just shove it in the ground and see what happens you'd look after the soil you'd you'd make lots of soil improvements so if you're trying to improve an old lawn and you've decided that you, it needs re-turfing you get rid of the old turf now that either means that you scalp it off or you can weed kill it and dig it in if you want to but it's all about the soil preparation you know dig it over put in lots of organic material um, some good topsoil or some compost dig over to a depth of six to nine inches and then put your turf or even sow from seed and, and that's that's the, the best way to do it because if you've got an underlying problem that's killed the grass you've got to cure that underlying problem Thank you for all your emails. It's post at World Radio Gardening. And there's Twitter they can go to as well, everybody, can't they, Jeff? They can, and they can go to at WR Gardening.